The lads get back together late after Celtic drop yet more points to discuss Dubai. Wasn't that a great idea, fellas? Young players and how we can build for the future now the league is definitely over. There's also plenty of ranting from John, get in, anger at Celtic's laughable statement and even some praise for Andy Walker. That's all in this week's Grand Old Podcast. A very tough day, John. Hmm. We're going into that quickly. Yeah, it's been a tough day. It's been a long day. It's been a very long day. And all, I, all I'm all i glad about is that Peter Lowell is not in charge of anything important. <laughs> He's only in charge of a football <laughs> club. He's only in charge of toying with our emotions. Imagine he actually had actual responsibility out there in the, in the real world, away from the nonsense that is football and the nonsense that is Celtic Football Club. What a disaster it has been over the last few days. Ewan, how are you feeling? Um, I've been mostly screaming into a pillow, but uh, I've, <laughs> I've resurfaced in order to join you guys here. But it's just, it's ludicrous, isn't it? And and the result, just the way that we capitulated there at the end was just so symptomatic of the last week or so. It was just so predictable. Yeah, you absolutely knew it was coming the minute Laxalt gave away that free kick. You knew that mm. the ball was going to end up in our net and it wasn't even a good goal. It was just a typical Celtic set-piece defensive error strewn goal and yeah I just want to say a big uh, hi to everyone who's listening to this podcast we know times are tough at the moment but we really do appreciate the support I want to say a specific hi to my dad who actually rage voicemailed me earlier on to vent his (laughs) frustrations at what was happening with Celtic I think he'd seen the news and was a was very frustrated as all of us are so Hopefully he felt better after that chat with me and hopefully he's finding this experience uh, cathartic as well. Right, guys, we've got a game to talk about and we've got an absolute fiasco and I think we can safely use that word to talk about. Uh, Where do we want to go first? We we chat about the game. Yeah, well, yeah, we can chat about the game. I mean, the game is always going to be difficult, wasn't it? It was always going to be a hard one. You know, some of these players, like Cameron Harper, for example, it's not that he's just, he's not been playing for the senior side. There's been barely any training matches or reserve football to speak of over the last few months. And it was no surprise to me that he could barely last an hour. Um, So it was always going to be difficult for some of these players. I thought there was a couple of decent performances. Turnbull was pretty good throughout, and his his three kick was magical. And it's a shame that we can't really just sit and be buzzing about it, given all that's gone on. But it was a wonderful free kick. That's really the only thing that I can take from the game personally. Yeah, the couple of really good moments he did. The, he did the um, the typical Turnbull scoop that he does seemingly every single game. That was absolutely brilliant. The free kick was excellent. Uh, Ewan, who who stood out for you from from the game? Uh, weirdly, it was Shane Duffy. I thought he had an excellent game. Uh, he was winning everything, apart from obviously. I'm going to preface this by saying, apart from the goal, because obviously, apart from the goal, <laughs> apart from the most fitting moment of the game. Yeah, if you ignore that uh, and the scoreline, you know he was good. I thought, you know, um, in all seriousness, I thought Stephen Welsh had a good game. Uh, he mm-hmm. just seems really solid. That's the only word I really have for him. He's just solid. He doesn't seem to have a mistake in him. He. He's got good physical presence about him. He's good in the tackle. Uh, I, I rate him. I really do. Um, I was I was actually gutted for him because 
Um, he's played, I think he's played five or six times now, coming, you know, starting games and coming off the bench. And he's not kept a clean sheet today. And I thought tonight was going to be the night for him. I thought that would have been great for his confidence. It just wasn't to be. I thought he was, I thought he was pretty good tonight. Um, I, you know, if we're speaking about moving forward and all that chat, you know, I would much rather give game time and put, you know, invest a bit of time into players like Welsh and, and, you know, make Turnbull the obvious first name on the team sheet every week rather than Duffy and others. Um, because, Realistically, Hamish, we're building for next season now, aren't we? We are completely, um, and I suppose there's an opportunity for Welsh because Christopher Julian, who's probably the centre back that's still going to be at the club next season, he's going to be the the starter at the moment that we would hope would still be part of the team next year, is obviously missing for virtually the rest of the season. So there's a real opportunity there for someone like Welsh to become a mainstay. I think you're totally right, John. What have we got to lose at this stage? Uh, where the league is away, the league was away before tonight, but it's even more away now. And <laughs> se- second place is still going to be Celtic. So I don't care if anyone's Careful. got the, you know, the, these folk will be going in the forum saying we need to be wary of Aberdeen and, and tonight's opponents and even teams like Livingston. We're just going to be too strong in the end. We're going to finish second. So I'm pretty safe right now saying Celtic are going to finish second. We're going to get that second Champions League place. And I think you're right. I think we need to build towards that. Um, it's just a shame it's, it's come to this. But yeah, I think getting Welsh in that team... I think there's a really interesting dynamic now about what happens about Scott Brown's last few months at the club because I don't think Scott Brown will be staying on as a player next season. I might be proving you know wrong with that, but that's my assertion. So does it make any sense to have Scott yeah, Brown no continually point. in that team between now and, and May? But then there may be another argument, and I don't agree, for, agree with this at all, but some people may think Scott Brown deserves a, a, a swan song. I keep using that phrase in this pod, but he deserves a... You know, a farewell tour tour of (laughs) Scotland's top 11 or 12 grounds and he deserves to play all this stuff. But I I think we need to build for next season. Hmm. We're not the Harlem Globetrotters, Hamish. (laughs) Well, you'd be forgiven for thinking we were this season with some of the testimonials that have been dished out to players in high-profile games by the gaffer. But guys, where do we go from here? Because, Ewan, we've got a... We've just got a really bleak few months ahead of us and I don't really remember bleak times as a Celtic supporter. There's always been something to look forward to and yes, the Scottish Cup's still up for grabs but that's about it and to be honest, we've we've won so many trophies over the last few years, it kind of doesn't really interest me massively. No, no, I have to admit, I, I, it would be sort of nice if that was the final act of Neil Lennon to uh, to win a Scottish Cup, but even then, I don't think that's by any means, you know, um, something that we can bank on. So I think the best possible, you know, the best case scenario for the rest of the season is playing the youngsters and just making sure that they've got enough game experience for when we inevitably have to take on Lithuania's third best team in the Champions League qualifiers and and uh, struggle to a 1-0 win. So it's... Um, yeah, it's. I don't know what this means for January for the January transfer window either, because looking at our immediate future, I don't think we've, that the club's been sold in a particularly good light over the last couple of weeks. Uh, we've already missed out it on. Certainly has We've already missed out on pretty major upgrades uh, in the team. Looks like Alfie Doughty is going to be moving within England, so I don't. It's, it's it's terrifying. Yeah, and at least there was always something. At least when 
you know, when, when Tony Moby left and, and Neil Lynn took over the first time, it looked kind of positive. Things looked a bit a bit brighter then than they do now. But yeah, it's it's hard finding light at the end of the tunnel. And it's also it's also massively concerning to me that the I, I hate going on about Dubai, but that costs what two hundred thousand pounds. What's the annual salary for someone who can def- who can teach Celtic how to defend his set pieces? It can't be that much. <laughs> Yeah, Liverpool, I mean, Liverpool have a throwing throw coach, you know what I mean? There's got to be someone dedicated yeah. to this. I mean, John Kennedy offered a fierce defence of the training methods in his press conference at the weekend. In fact, he was he was a bit put, put his nose was a bit put out of joint, um, as something Packy Bonner had said on the radio the week prior. Um, but there needs to just be a reset button now. You know, look, to be honest, I don't want to make this whole podcast about New Lennon, but He's got. He's just got to go. There's no point now. Like we might as well have Gavin Strachan in the dugout for next two months. <laughs> no, no. I'm being serious. I'm not even joking. Because what is the point? I mean, what is the point in having Lennon back? Just what is the point of him coming back to the dugout? You know, it's it's all over. And so, if we're building towards next season, we either need a manager in place, or we just need to have a caretaker. Youth, youthful team for the rest of the season and just genuinely try to get some minutes into the legs of some of these players. You know, Stephen Welsh is 20. You know, he's not 17. He's 20 and he's only played six games in his career. So um, if he's going to have any sort of future, then he needs much more than that. And that's only one example. You know, Karamoko Dembele and Armstrong Oakflex were nowhere near that yep. first team squad until the yeah. Dubai debacle. Absolutely nowhere near. They hadn't been on a match, a match day squad for months. Um, and Armstrong Okaflex's case for years, um, and so it's just really difficult. But what there's nothing to lose from from letting Lennon go now. I don't care about this. He's a legend stuff. Like it's too far gone. We can re we can reevaluate his legacy down the line when there's not nothing at stake with regards to Lennon. But Lennon staying now, I think, does damage to me. Someone made a great point to me on Twitter about an hour ago where you were saying that, you know, getting a new manager in place or getting something in place that builds for the future now isn't just about next season, although that's obviously the most important part. It's about making sure that even when the season ends and Rangers win this league, they're, they're looking over their shoulder and they're thinking Celtic are improving here. Celtic have a running start heading into the summer. Um, you know, it's not you know, if we can make them think twice and, and be feel good about ourselves and be on the up ourselves and we can see improvement and there's a bit of buoyancy about Celtic, we'll head into the summer in a much better frame of mind than if we stumble along and everything keeps going from disaster to disaster. That'll just make you know Rangers inevitable title win worse, you know. So we've got the building. For me, the building is part of that is Neil Lennon going. And whether it means John Kennedy is the caretaker or whatever is, you know, up for debate. But we need to hit the reset button, and it needs to be hit now. It should have been hit two months ago. Um, but that's my case. I know I've been very passive and kind of conciliatory Neil Lennon on the podcast over the last few months. But if he's not in the dugout tonight, I didn't really notice a difference. What is what is the point? What is the point of him being manager? That's my question to you guys. Yeah, I'm aware we've we've done this Neil Lennon chat a lot, but I think it's very interesting as well, and that's why I'm going to go right back into it again, John. So thanks very much for bringing that up. <laughs> I think, well, I'll, I'll I'll answer your question with a question to you, and we'll just play past the question on this pod. Cool. How about that, guys? If we lose one of the next two games, maybe both of them to Livingston, or, or certainly drop some more points, do you think Neil Lennon? 
reaches a point where he walks away at that stage, Ewan, and he just, uh, I don't know what's kept him at the club so far. Maybe it's been that belief, that, you know, misjudged belief that he and this team could turn around this deficit and he didn't want to give in. And I don't really blame him for that, to be honest. He should have been, or had the decision taken out of his hands by the board. But do you think he reaches a point in the next week, if we drop more points, that he says, this just isn't worth it? I don't think Neil Lennon is the kind of person who would who would quit a managerial job. I just, I just, especially now, I just don't think he would. Uh, I think he would need to be dragged away by wild horses, to be honest, uh, and replaced by Gavin Strachan and the the paperclip from Microsoft Word. It would just be, it would need to be something absolutely. I mean, we've already had so many you know huge moments this season where you would have thought that might be it for Neil Lennon. And he's ridden every single one of them out. So no, I, I don't think there's a situation in which he voluntarily leaves the club. I really don't. Sorry, I know that's not the answer you wanted, but... No, that's all right. And on John's question, which I think was, what is the point in Neil Lennon even coming back? I, I think that's I think that's a very good question because, you know, the league's away. The, the league is absolutely away, even more so than it was before. What have we got to gain from bringing Neil Lennon back? If Neil Lennon comes back into the dugout, and sees out the rest of this season, then I just think it's a massive missed opportunity because Neil Lennon cannot take the team into next season. He just can't because if he does, then you know we're as well just ending it all and liquidating the club because there is no hope. Can you imagine if he started taking the team into next season? So why would they give him an opportunity to see out this season? What is there to be gained from that? You know what tonight was like? You know, and this is a really strange analogy, but it genuinely went through my head. Like it's a bit it's like when you want to go to to see a film at the cinema and you really want to go with someone because you don't want the social anxiety of being on your own. And then you just go on your own and it's great and you just relax and you just kind of don't worry about it. You just kind of see what what the film's all about, you see what Celtic are all about. That was what I felt tonight, like without Neil Lennon. Like I'm totally done with him. There's just there's absolutely no reason for Neil Lennon to be in that dugout and to be taking Celtic forward anymore. Um, and you know, as I said before, we can reevaluate Neil Lennon's legacy down the line when there's nothing at stake. Um, but there's just too much baggage now. Um, yeah, it's it's also like you know when you split up with a girlfriend or a boyfriend and you just. You realise you, you try and think why you were with them in the first place. Like that—that's what it's like for me now. It was like we've left them at home, and nothing was worse. In fact, I was way more chilled out tonight than I would have been otherwise because I didn't really put any, any expectations onto Celtic. And I'm not sure if that's because I knew the league was over last week when we lost the Rangers, or or what that is, or I'm just—I was so pent up about the Dubai thing today that the the match didn't really matter. But I was far more relaxed about tonight than I have been about most bad results this season. Um, and I think partly it was to do with the fact that Neil Lennon wasn't there and I, I could see some sort of fresh start with some of the players that were playing, like Welsh and like even Harper. I know he didn't have a great game, but, you know, even Harper and Johnston, I know he's just coming back from injury. He wasn't great either. But, you know, I want to see these young players on the team. That's what it's about for me at this stage. And that would make me even far happier going forward. I think we're all just a bit sick fed up of some of the players in this first team this season that, that just haven't done it and haven't looked like they've been asked all season. You know, I'm talking about the likes of Tom Rogic, who who we love, but his time at Celtic's up for me. Um, mm-hmm. It has to be. He's not the player he was before. Uh, Olivier and Cham's one who absolutely has to be moved on uh, in the summer. 
you know, Shane Duffy, as we say, was okay tonight, but but he's not one I would have long term hopes for at Celtic. Players like Anthony Ralston that shouldn't still be at the club. Um, you know, certain players, even Anthony Edwards' temperament this season, it's it's um I, I think part of that joy tonight came from not having to watch those players strutting around the pitch and not giving a shit. Um and I know Cameron Harper pulled up and he got cramp, and I know that Dembele and Okoflex and players like that looked miles off it and physically when they came on. But it was just a bit exciting to get to see some new players. And to be honest, you and I, I sensed that amongst the Celtic support today. Yes, there was frustration, there was anger at this, uh, you know, missing 13 players for the game tonight. But there was also a bit of excitement with the fact that it was something different because watching Celtic this season has just been such a dull dull experience I mean what's all our favourite games of this season just quickly just to canvas your, your favourite game of this season John you're Probably. really going to shoot down my argument now I, I, no I honestly I honestly can't think of any Ren? I'm not <laughs> it, no Leo. Leo you mean yeah probably the Leo game yeah yeah, yeah I mean I that, that's so. that's that's my favourite by a mile and it's because there was a freshness there and that's what we need to see between now and the end of the season yeah, so I was going to say Lille as well. That was my favourite game. Uh, just because just because it was so kind of radically different in terms of this uh, team selection, the formation and all that kind of stuff. It was all just, yeah, it was it was really good. And it was the sort of brightest moment of the season. And it was uh, arguably a dead rubber in Europe in the campaign we were already out. So, you know, good stuff. But, yeah, no, I completely take, I take on board what you're saying. There was a bit of a concern for me about the young players, so obviously they're lacking fitness, but there was just a bit of kind of fear there. I mean, obviously that that makes total sense, but the likes of Mikey Johnson, instead of taking players on a lot of the time, he was sort of turning around and, and passing it to the nearest players behind him, and Okoflex was doing that as well. Then Billy didn't really get on the ball much, so... Um, Harper was pretty limited. Obviously, he's not an actual forward, and you could tell that in the way he was playing. So um, that makes me a little bit concerned going forward. But otherwise, you know, it's it was yeah, it was. I, I watched it tonight with sort of morbid fascination, like when like when medieval people uh, would go to watch a hanging or something. It was that same like. Uh, <laughs> You know, like I know this will be grim in a, in a way, but everyone's going, and we're all talking about it. So here we are. Maybe not the best analogy. <laughs> I'm just looking, when you look at the team that started tonight and the level they were playing at, you know, a year ago or a few months ago, you've got Connor Hazard, who I think was on loan at Dundee. He was loan at Partick Thistle the season before that, and he was on loan at Falkirk the season before that. You've got Stephen Welsh, who was on loan at Morton last season. Uh, you've got a player like Cameron Harper, who was making his Celtic first team debut tonight. Same goes for Armstrong Okoflex. You've got Karamoko Dembele, who we've barely seen. You've got Ewan Henderson, who couldn't get a game for Ross County last season. So that's what you're dealing with tonight. Um, I don't think we can have too many frustrations or complaints about the result. But, John, it was all handed to us by the club going to Dubai. Um, Who could have foreseen that as being a, a bad move? Yeah, nobody called that right completely from the minute they set foot on the plane. Um, uh, I'm just at a total loss with the whole Dubai thing. I just don't understand it at all. The arrogance coming from Celtic right now is unbelievable. It's really, really unbelievable. Um, like, who thought that they could get away with that? And yes, it's allowed, but as someone on Clyde said, you're allowed to fart in a lift, and nobody does that. <laughs> 
So um, I just don't, I don't get this thing where Celtic have to portray themselves as in the right all the time. As I say, it's very arrogant. It's very toxic. I would suggest it's it's just not the, what we want to be presenting as a club at all. You know, I'm run. I'm actually. If you're writing a list of who people who need to be fired from Celtic, um, you know, I'm running out of paper because whoever wrote that statement today is just as bad as the person who um, signed off on that trip to Dubai, who is just as bad as the person who suggested it in the first place. Now, I believe Celtic wanted to go to Turkey initially, not Dubai. Dubai was actually a backup because the the um, the COVID wasn't as bad there when they were kind of organising this. But, you know, that defence is so hollow because you don't step onto a plane to fly to Dubai two months ago and it takes two months to get there and you get off it. They could have not went to Dubai last week. They could have not gone to Glasgow Airport after getting beat off Rangers. They could have lost the money on the trip. I know it costs money, but it's going to cost money regardless. So would you not rather spend the money uh, but make sure that most of your players are safe and accounted for and you're not dragging the club through the worst PR disaster <laughs> um, I've seen at Celtic for a while. Like, we were literally on the main news, the main BBC UK news today. Oh, yes. Um, in terms of uh, on the, on the headlines at the start of the show, we were the top trending topic on Twitter. I'm sure if you look at the Google trends, we're, we're near the top. It's just outrageous what, you know, the so-called custodians of the club have allowed here. Um, and ultimately, it all falls down on Peter Lawwell, who, as we know, um, has control over almost every single department at the club. Um, and yeah, that statement today was a total nightmare and just sums up the complete arrogance of the whole thing for me. Just no accountability, no contrition, no, not even a single sorry supporters. We've let you down. We've got this one wrong. Um, we'll need to look at our processes and decision making. It was just complete. Now nah, we were in the right. Nicholas Sturgeon said we would go, so we thought we'd go. I mean, what kind of bullshit is that? It was just. Um, I'm going to get annoyed speaking about it, so I'll, I'll pass. I'll pass on to you guys to talk about. But um, I was appalled with the clubs. Um, I absolutely appalled with the clubs' conduct over the last week, and appalled that they had the brass neck to try and pull the wool over eyes about it uh, in that communicated statement today. In Celtic's defence, no, I'm only kidding, <laughs> on, guys. I don't worry, I'm not going down there. Um, briefly here, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to read out bits of the statement that that I found. Most frustrating, perplexing. Clearly, we are hugely disappointed, as we know our supporters will be. Now, that's in reference to the fact that we're missing the, the 13 players, Lennon and Kennedy. For what is that clearly, part? by the way? What is that clearly? <laughs> keep using that clearly thing. It's like, ah, oh, keep reading. It's the fact they're trying to group us in with them. As if we're all in this together. You know, if they're not trying to get into bed with the SFA or the joint response group, then they're trying to bring the supporters into this and almost make out as if we're all in the same boat. And all the supporters were loving the idea of going to Dubai and we all thought it was going to end brilliantly. These protocols have served us well in the past as the club has not had one positive case in our own bubble until now. Well, maybe there's the problem, Celtic, the fact that you <laughs> went to Dubai and got the first COVID case in your bubble this season. Do you not think there's a, a correlation there with the fact that you got on a plane to go to the Middle East and you ended up in your, your first case when we've been spotless so far this season? Ugh, the club has shat themselves and blamed the trousers for it. It's... <laughs> Just so beyond <laughs> kind of comprehension, what this PR this this PR scheme is is about to kind of yeah, it's like you say, kind of lumping the fans in with it, and it's just 
yes, we're all clearly disappointed because it's bad decision making and it shouldn't have happened. So I don't, I, honestly, it perplexes me to, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how convincingly angry I can sound because I sound a bit ridiculous when I'm annoyed, but um, <laughs> it's, oh God. I mean, I, I mind you, I'm one of these arseholes. It's like, actually, we shouldn't be going to Dubai anyway. Uh, so, you know, I'm already kind of died in the wheel of my opinions. But, you know, it's just, and considering the, the option was Turkey, is extremely questionable um, geopolitically. So I don't know. I don't know what you say to that, to be quite honest. I, honestly, I, th- I think we've probably summed up there. We could probably talk for another hour about how Celtic are a disgrace and every single word would be true. Um, but I'm not sure how healthy that would be. Everyone knows this. I don't think there's any anyone excusing Celtic's behaviour other than the most um, blind faith, happy clappers out there, um, which there are a few of. And and you know, actually, we did take pelters from some people for speaking out about this Dubai trip. We co- I don't. I also don't like to toot our horn so, too much, but we actually called this right from the very first moment. Yeah. Um, and. We had videos on YouTube, we had articles on our website, we had the podcast, we had everything. You know, th- this was never going to end well. It was never going to end well. It was always going to be a scandal from minute one. There was no winning with this trip. There was no benefit to this trip. Well, a few days training in the sunshine. Are the Celtic players really that fragile that they can't do a few days hard training at Lennox Town? Like, I'm not being funny, but if, if that's what it takes to win a league, then, you know you know, ram it, basically. I mean, I, I just don't buy it at all. I just think it's nonsense. I think the the club had to be seen to do something after the Rangers game. Um, I think that's ultimately why they went. This club are f- so image-focused, but they don't actually have any self-awareness. It's the most... It's the strangest um, combination I've ever seen from a major organisation. This is a company that has a turnover of over £50 million a year. The people who are leading these departments are Celtic are supposed to be experts in their field. And we are run like an amateur operation from top to bottom. I don't know any department of the of the club, of the football club itself, that I'm happy with. And it's a it's an absolute joke. And I as I say, the, the most galling thing for me is not even the actions themselves, but is the absolute arrogance while they're doing it. Yeah. Um and I can say the same for for the Scottish FA and the SPFL. And I could say the same for the Scottish government, but that, those are other issues, um, so we might not get into that. But I'm very frustrated and angry. It's a very happy new year, not for everyone, especially us Celtic fans, but that's not stopping our podcast sponsors, Manscaped, from getting in touch. They're wishing you a very happy new year. If you don't know about Manscaped, let me tell you a little bit. They're the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. They offer precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, and they're here to help you have clean balls in the new year. Join the two million men who trust Manscaped for their below-the-waist grooming. It's a new year and Manscaped is here to give you a new year's resolution that you'll actually want to keep. The Perfect Package 3.0 is the below-the-waist grooming package you need to start off strong this year. Why not come out of the quarantine with clean balls thanks to the Lawn Mower 3.0? The 13 Celtic players in isolation should take particular note of that one. It's also time to freshen up down there in the new year. The Crop Preserver is an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturiser. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? And for on-the-go freshness, you'll also love the Crop Reviver Ball Toner 
owner spray. Manscaped even throw in their shed travel bag to keep all of your goodies stored comfortably. Speaking of comfort, the Manscaped anti-chafing boxer briefs are also included and will bring your underwear game to the next level. And I'm talking as male sorrow levels of comfort. I love the boxers so much that I'm actually wearing just them while recording this wee ad insert. But while you get that rather unpleasant thought out of your head, I will tell you that as a listener of the Grand Old Podcast, which you evidently are, you can get 20% off plus free shipping when you use the code GRANDPOD, that's one word, GRANDPOD, at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. And so will we. Right guys, do you think there's a danger... That this Dubai, this mythical Dubai trip, as Stevie from Gigpod called it last night, that a danger that this Dubai trip was made out in general to be the saviour of the season because of what happened in recent seasons. Because I was looking back at the results from last season prior to the Derby defeat to Rangers we had in December. And you'd be forgiven for thinking our season was in absolute turmoil when we went to Dubai and then everything was cured over there and we came back as majestic title winners. But if you look at those 11 games prior to the the loss to Rangers, we actually won every single one of them in the leagues. We won 11 straight and then lost the derby to Rangers. So from my point of view, Dubai has always been made out as this you know, saviour. I mean, Dubai's pretty much going up to get a winner's medal in May when Celtic are usually crowned champions. But... For me, it's not as, as simple and it didn't have as, as much of an impact as that. But do you think from Celtic's point of view, Ewan, that they had it in their head that Dubai would cure everything? Yeah, it felt a bit like when you go on a city break and you're in a doomed relationships, you're like, oh, we'll go to Paris for the weekend and that'll make everything okay. Uh, that's a vibe I get from it. I've also got a little conspiracy theory to drop if you'll humor me for a second. Um, I, I think they push for this that much harder because of all the stuff about the the dressing room being a bit split and about the players having sort of different focuses uh someone moves away some not too i mean obviously disappointed but not devastated about some of the recent results i think they really push for this dubai trip on the basis of its um supposed uh morale building qualities and i think that's maybe why they went for it more than the actual training itself um but that's again that could be total nonsense i don't know but I, I think it's an overhyped thing anyway. I think it's just a good PR um, network building exercise for the club to do over in the Middle East. I don't, I never put too much stock into it, and I'm, I'm certainly not putting any stock into it now. I just think it's the, the qualities of it are mythical, to be honest. Um, and I, I don't think, I mean, obviously it's a it's a parallel universe in which certainly don't go to Dubai and how, how their league form looks, but I don't think it makes a material difference on on how the club play in the second half of the season, to be quite honest. Well, straight away from my point of view, if we didn't go to Dubai, I think we'd be two points better off in the league. We'd have beaten Hibs tonight. Now, I know that may be presumptuous on my part, but I'm going to read out a quote from the Scottish Football Association Chief Executive, Ian Maxwell. Now, he's quoted earlier today in, in one of the... Utter chip. All right. Okay. Are you talking about me or Ian Maxwell? <laughs> no, I'm talking about him. I, I, just keep going, keep going, keep going. Right, he said, it's fair to say if Celtic had been at home, they would still have had potentially one positive case, but it would have been one player that was missing. That is the danger of travelling abroad. There is a lot more inherent risk involved in that from a close contact perspective because there is travelling planes and travelling buses. So there's the SFA chief executive, uh, a tube as John calls him, saying that Celtic would have only missed one player 
if Christopher Julian had, had still been um, you know, struck down by COVID in Scotland had they not gone to Dubai. So from that point of view, reading those comments, I can make a link and a correlation that the Celtic board, by sanctioning the trip to Dubai, have cost us two points in the league tonight. And, and there it is for me, as Ted Hastings would say in line of duty, it's in black and white, son. <laughs> oh, I would love Ted Hastings to be in charge of Celtic Football Club. Um, no, you're right. You're right. I think um, the Dubai trip is a mythical thing, and it's an alluring, it's an alluring narrative to to buy into. You know, in terms of all right, this could be the moment we kind of just take stock of everything and and hit reset and and go for it. But you know, I think as you alluded to, I think at this point at Celtic, there's deeper issues in that dressing room. I don't know if we've all read the the Kieran Devlin article in the Athletic this week, but very interesting. Um, you know, you know, reportedly or allegedly sourced from people close to people in the Celtic dressing room. Um, just you know, nothing dramatic. Just probably what you would expect as well. But just you know, there's no focus within that dressing room at the moment. That's what I took away from it. You know, I don't think they're all fighting with each other. I don't think it's Viduka at halftime against Inverness. But you know, I just don't think there's much focus in that dressing room. They've all got their own ambitions. They've all. You know, the players who have one eye on an exit have one eye on an exit. The players who have one eye on their legacy have one eye on their legacy. The players who are new are just completely confused with the whole situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just think there's a complete lack of focus. And I think, you know, one of Lennon's big failings, I, I think, is, has been, you know, not being able to bring that focus to the to the team this, this season. I think that was there in the immediate aftermath of the, of the Brendan Rodgers department. You know, the focus was kind of, proving him wrong and the focus was going on to kind of make sure we get over the line Um, and there was just a lot of you know they were playing for the fans at that point too and I think you know the way that fans have have not been in the stadium I think has has been a problem for Celtic more than other clubs because I think they have genuinely been you know living off the passion of some of the supporters over the last few years Um, and that just hasn't been there that's not an excuse it's just and if anything, it's the value of the Celtic support, and it's why it makes it so much more baffling that a, a company whose own, whose turnover completely relies on supporters' its entire mission this season has been to piss off those supporters. I don't know what they're playing at. Um, yeah, but it's just that so there's no focus, and I think that's probably the, the biggest fail in this season. Because the team last season was pretty good from what I remember. Now, last season was a long time ago, pre-COVID and all that kind of stuff, but I remember this Celtic team with not too many changes to the first team, I don't think, being pretty good at football, Ewan. So when did it go wrong? Was it Bollygate? Did that set the precedent? Was it after that? Was it the Derby loss to Rangers at home? Was it all those COVID call-offs prior to that? What was the uh, catalyst for, for this all going wrong? I don't think there's one specific incident. I think I think it's just a general sense of complacency, uh, just around the club. I think that I mean the pro- the reason why the ten in a row has never been done before. Um, you look at the most recent attempt at, at the night at the ten in a row, and and Rangers last season's filled with kind of not similar stories, not anything like similar stories to this. But you know, there's talk kind of complacency, lack of focus, uh, losing games they shouldn't be losing, and then letting kind of letting Celtic catch up. I think that's been quite similar in terms of the mentality uh, aspect. I just don't 
I don't think either the players understand the significance of the season to the fans. And obviously that's that's uh, punctuated by the fact that, you know, the fans aren't there to, to, to spread that message. But I think it's just a general sense of, well, you know, if we won nine, why wouldn't we win ten? Um, the investment was there, but not in the right positions, you could argue. Uh, it was just, it's just all very strange. And I think there's been this just overhang of kind of, 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 almost enjoying the last few years too much, if that makes any sense, and kind of, I don't want to say resting on laurels, because obviously that phrase has taken a, 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 a life of its own, but yeah, I think it's just... It, the keeper yeah, then? <laughs> I've missed laughing at them this season. That's been one of my main things, you know. It's, But yeah, I think it's just the sense that, like, well, why wouldn't Celtic win the title, you know? Uh, keep Neil Lennon on, because he, he won he won nine, he won the first, the first couple, and... Yeah, it just uh, there's just an overall culture of the club that, that seems to scream, you know, well, we didn't expect this, you know, and they should have been prepared for the fact that Rangers have been improving in recent seasons, especially the last season. Admittedly, there was a you know considerable gap at the end, but it, it, yeah, it just smacks to me of, of of arrogance, and and that arrogance was absolutely encapsulated in in a, in a Dubai stuff. So yeah, it's all it's all very grim. Have you got any other theories, John? If I had terrible recruitment and even the COVID pandemic into potential reasons for, for why this has just gone so wrong after last season? I do think a lot of it stops with Neil Lennon. Um, I just don't think he's the right manager for this group of players for whatever reason. And He was last season though, wasn't he? Was he though? Like a lot of people would argue that he wasn't. Um, and I do know of people who have been moaning about Lennon for a lot longer than this season. Um I don't think he was the man to take it permanently. You know, there was a reason why we all felt like that after that Scottish Cup final. There was a reason. If you think back, that there was a reason you had that gut feeling. Everybody knew it was the wrong step. Um, and we we had to give the club the benefit of the doubt because of the success that they brought. In a way, we had to give Neil Lennon the benefit of a doubt. Um, but there's been people who have seen this coming. You know, I wouldn't argue that I've particularly been one of them because I'm happy to go along with the ride at Celtic sometimes. Yeah, I'm not really one of these um, people, these harbingers of, of doom. Um, but I do think that some people have been calling us right. Um, uh, so as much as some of us have been happy to go along for the ride and just kind of calling it as we see it in the moment, there's people who have seen this coming for a couple of years now. So why some fans could see that, and professionals employed by the club couldn't see that um, is, is another in-depth discussion. Um, and only Celtic have the answers, and, and they're, they're so arrogant that they're not interested in communi- communicating any answers or any con- contrition or take any accountability for any errors that have come over the way. I'm sure, I'm, I, I, in fact, I'm positive, I'm 100% positive that within Celtic, the feeling is COVID's taken away 10 in a row from them. I'm sure they are that arrogant. We'll be fed that as well, won't we? You know for a fact, and some people in the support will lap it up as well. They will talk about how COVID saved Gerard's job and they'll talk about how COVID killed off 10 in a row and I, for one, will not be going for it at all. The realists in the support will know what happened and they will have seen it happen in front of their own eyes, well not literally at games but but via the television um, Andy Walker was on Sky Sports tonight and I think for the first time ever to be honest I, I kind of found myself nodding my head, I don't know quite what's happening there but he was visibly frustrated with Celtic now a lot of people have thoughts on Andy Walker that he 
you know, I won't go into them, but he's, you know, quite anti-Celtic. He's not a Celtic fan, all that kind of stuff. For me tonight, he, he looked like a hurting Celtic man with the way the club had behaved with, with going to Dubai. And and the one thing, without going back into the whole Dubai stuff, the, the one thing he wanted to see from the board, and he kept name-checking Dermot Desmond for, for some strange reason, um, but he said he wanted to see some sort of Contrition, I think, was the word he used, or an admission oh, from the board t- towards the fans that they got this wrong. Are we going to see any of that kind of stuff, Ewan? And if not, what are we going to see from the club over the next, well, months? I mean, you might get something in the narration for the inevitable DVD that we put out at the end of the season, regardless of you know if we win the league or not. Uh, he, uh, treble DVD. Sure. Yes, that'll be it. And the DVD extras, the two games. Ian Bank here. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I, I, I actually really liked what Andy Walker was saying because, um, which is again quite unusual. But he, he used the word contrition a lot in the same way that when you're a little guy and you, and, and you learn a word like apparently for the first time you use in every sentence. <laughs> but no, I actually quite liked the way because he kept he kept referring to how things were when he played at the club and he, he was referencing Alan Stubbs and his time in the club and, and all this stuff and talking about how the culture completely changed and he was, you know, he didn't feel the same association as he as he did with Celtic because the, 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 the culture and the attitude has changed to, to one of complacency and of, of arrogance. He said arrogance a lot as well and I think he's actually spot on. You know, it was it was it was very weird agreeing with Andy Walker, and I don't know which pundit I'm going to end up. If I agree with anything that's said on Talksport, then I'm, I'm I'm putting it in you know in in the archive now. You know, deal with me as and when. Yeah, I mean, to to be fair to Andy Walker, I mean, I did agree with a lot of what he said today as well. But and it's nothing that I wouldn't have said. In fact, I did write an article this morning that basically said. All of this. I'm, I'm not saying he's reading my articles, but what I'm saying is that he's at least thinking like a fan in that way. I'm not wanting this to become an Andy Walker podcast, but the title of my article this morning was The Arrogant Celtic Statement on Dubai Mess Lacks Accountability and is an Insult to Fans. And that's basically the, the summed up what, what Walker was saying um, and probably what other, other pundits of any note will say over the next few days. I'm happy for pundits to call Celtic out in their bullshit because they deserve it, frankly. It's not anti-Celtic um, to call them on things that they deserve to be called out on. Um, it's more just a, an acceptance of reality. There is at times when some of these pundits go far too far and, and, and stretch to make a point, but at the same time, that's also the nature of the game. Um, I'd far be far happier listening to someone willing to call Celtic on their bullshit than um, listening to nonsense about referees being against Celtic and all that. Are we going to see anything, though, guys, from the club over the next few days? Uh, a, a statement in the coming days admitting, I mean, I'm laughing asking this question, but you know, admitting that they maybe got it slightly wrong? Some sort of admission that that maybe it was ill advised to to go to Dubai and and stay out there once Scotland was plunged into a second lockdown. Are we going to see anything like that, or is it just going to be more silence? Because I, I, I kind of feel like the time for protesting from supporters is is gone in two ways. First of all, in the, the fact that we are now in a, a second lockdown and, and COVID is is prevalent, and we need to be very wary of that. So I would not in any way you know, urge any supporters to do anything like that. In fact, I would obviously discourage it. But in the second way, you know, the season's gone now. Are, are we still going to see 
anger from supporters directed at the club and in what ways are we going to see that now? Is it just a case of not buying season tickets? Is there other ways we can hurt the board and, and demand change? Celtic have all the power in this situation. And yeah. They really do, unless people are going to actively hurt Damage the club. Damage the club, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, and people aren't willing to do that. I mean, I... You know, realistically, if if you know Celtic had any self pride as a support, they'd be demanding refunds for the season tickets this year, which is not going to happen because people don't want to go through the process of, um, kind of hurting the club in that way. So Celtic do hold all the power, unfortunately. So we really have to see what they do. But all we can do is shout and scream from the side sidelines, um, kind of pointlessly. <laughs> It's got to get better than this, doesn't it, guys? Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, one thing that you could do if you've got if you got a spare hundred quid going, you can buy shares. You can get involved in the Celtic Trust. Um, I think that's the kind of that's one of the main routes in the, that we'll see in the coming years in terms of trying to actually affect change at Celtic. Because obviously, protest is is physically impossible um, in terms of what we saw in late um, November, start of December. So. That's one of the routes. That's one of the routes that you know that'll have to have to be used because the board don't really recognise you know fan protest or or, or or you know endless kind of articles or, or fans spec- uh, you know f- fans talking on social media or anything. It's it's in the pockets like you know they'll need to be hurt and when they're going to start paying attention. If it's an actual threat to to the the order of, of power at Selly Park, then I think that's when they start listening because they've uh, you know I, I don't think they've ever been more detached from. From Celtic supporters and they've never alienated Celtic supporters in such a way. So I, I think that's probably the main the main route that supporters will have to take will be the financial one. And that's that's really sad to see because you know it's primarily this is a, a club with its roots in the working class and it's supporting the working class and, and it's sad to say like well <laughs> you could buy shares you know it just sounds shite but I think that's one of the main routes people are gonna have to use you know and that's that's incredibly disappointing. Well, it's all in the future for us, so we can get excited about that when it comes to it, guys. We're going to have loads more podcasts in, in 2021. We've got so much excitement and exciting things to chat about. So, yeah, stay tuned on the Grand Old Podcast. Honestly, I'm making a joke about it, and we've had a kind of relatively humorous podcast here. Just absolutely gutted, guys. I'm just yeah. deflated. Yeah. I'm I'm actually I'm actually really, really hurting what's happened this season. Yeah, well when I uh feel crap about something, I try to use humor as a defense mechanism, <laughs> I think. Uh although it's not always funny, it's <laughs> at least an attempt. And I think that's kind of the mood I'm in tonight. Um we could just sit here and wallow <laughs> in our own self pity, but um we try to push through it with a little bit of humor and you know, try and get through. I'm gutted too. But as I said, you know, tonight was a lot easier to take in, in some ways because I've already conceded the leak um, and that's it. For some, I think for some people tonight, you know, this was the leak moment for them and that's a shame and more people might be joining that in the coming weeks. Um, but yeah, Lord knows what's going to happen from here. Right, John Ewan, I really appreciate your time. Thanks everyone for listening to this show. Remember, we're on Twitter. We're on everywhere else. Remember, if you if you like this show, actually, and you fancy leaving us a wee review, that would be really appreciated, but only if it's going to be, I'd say, at least four stars, four or five, any lower than four, don't bother. But thanks very much. We've got happier days to come, surely, for Celtic. And you know what? The Grand Old Podcast will be there. 